1: spooksters and welcome back to another episode of three spooked girls my name is tara and as always i'm joined by my ghoul friend jessica hello 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 and today is a spooky topic we are going to be talking about the haunted most haunted house Mm -hmm. the whaley house today This is one we've planned on recording for a while. It just took us a while to get here. I've actually been there when I was getting ready to graduate high school. I don't remember having any experiences or anything, but I have been there. So it's like a first because most time on these creepy places, we haven't been there. (laughs)
0: It's true. It's true.
1: So super, super exciting. But before we get into that, we want to say welcome back to our you know regular listeners, or if you are new here, hello and thank you for tuning in. If you would like to hang out with us on social media, you can head to the link tree in the show notes or on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Our handle there is at Three Spooked Girls, or we have a fantastic Facebook group you can come hang out with us at that is Three Spooked Girls Official, and we have started a new thing that we are doing weekly watch parties on Friday nights since everybody is stuck in their homes right now. In our time, we had just had the first one a couple days ago and it was so much fun. It was so much fun. It was.
0: (laughs) It was so much fun. Mm -hmm. It was great because it was like we watched three episodes and the last one freaked everyone out.
1: (laughs) It was a creepy Ghost Avengers, yeah. But we had a good group We all had some adult beverages and enjoyed our time. But yeah, we figured at least uh, while everyone's stuck inside, we will um, continue those so we can kind of hang out and whatnot. So when you're hearing this, come hang out on Friday with us over there. If you would like to support the show, you can head on over to patreon.com slash 3 girls or that link tree as well. For as little as a dollar, you get bonus content each and every month. And if you're in our two and up tiers, we have extra bonus content on top of that for you. We have an extra segment that is bi-monthly, Jessica Slaughter's movie reviews, and also other great content for higher tiers, as well as stickers, swag, and all kinds of great stuff. And we do want to give a huge, huge thank you to all of our current patrons. We know this is a hard time for a lot of you guys, so thank you so much for continuing to support the show. We couldn't do it without you. It means so much to us, so thank you guys.
0: Yes. To our patrons, I want to say thank you as well. I am so, so grateful that you support the show. And it's like there's an extra layer of gratefulness in this time where there's a little bit of uncertainty in the world and that you continue to support us is so amazing and it blows our mind and we appreciate and there's so much love. So thank you so much. Yes, yes.
1: And also, if you are listening to this on publishing day, we are having a live stream in that main group we were just chatting about over on Facebook. We are having a live episode and you guys asked for a spooky topic. So there will be something fun. It will probably have already been announced on social media. Uh, as regular listeners know, we record these a few weeks in advance, so we haven't put that out yet and in all transparency on our end, we're still in the planning process. We're finishing that okay. <laughs> up. So we're still deciding between a couple ideas. But check that out. And we hope to see you then. And the time and everything will have been posted for you. So yeah, that'll be a great time as well. And it's basically, it's a real episode and you get to watch it live and interact with us while we're talking about our spooky topic. So it'll be lots of fun. Mm -hmm. But before we take our promo break, Jessica, what did you and the Bell Witch choose for this week's drink?
0: Well, Kate and I got together and we thought about it. And since we are talking about the Whaley House, which is literally across the street from Old Town, San Diego, which has the most bomb ass margaritas. This week's drink is an Old Town Margarita.
1: Yeah.
0: So you can check that out. Uh, We post those on Tuesday. So manana, tomorrow on socials, you'll be able to find it. It's linked to Pinterest where you can get that recipe.
1: Yes, yes. All right, guys. Well, we're going to take our quick promo break and we will be right back.
0: Ghost stories are always scarier when they're told by the very people who experienced them. I'm Becky. And I'm Diana. And we're the hosts of the Homespun Haints podcast. We talk to people just like you who've come face-to-face with ghosts, demons, haints, and other strange paranormal phenomena. All of it makes for a chilling good time. So grab yourself a sweet tea, turn off the lights, and listen to some eerie, true ghost stories on Homespun Haints. I'm not scared.
1: Are you? Lady Teal's Curios explores the fascinating world around us. I'll cover the mysterious, the unusual, and the just plain weird. With episodes occurring each week, you are sure to get your fill of oddities, curiosities, and a bit of revelry. I welcome you to join me on this most peculiar adventure. And remember, stay curious. Alright, well, welcome back, guys. So, Whaley House... We are so pumped to talk about this. Jessica is going to handle all of the background and history and hard facts on this place. And then she is going to bring it back over to me for the paranormal and spooky stuff.
0: That is what is about to transpire. So, just so you know, the Whaley House, of course, is located in San Diego. It is located at 2476 San Diego Avenue, San Diego, California. Apparently, I cannot talk. San Diego, California, 92110. So if you want to Google it and take a quick view of the, the street view, you can. Like I mentioned when we were talking about the drink, it is located in the Old Town section of San Diego. The home was built in 1857 and converted to a museum on May 25th, 1960. The home was built by Thomas Whaley. He is of Scottish and Irish descent with his family coming over in the 1720s and they came by way of Plymouth, Massachusetts. Thomas Whaley was born October 5th, 1823 to Rachel Pye and Thomas Alexander Whaley in New York City. Here's a fun, this is like nothing really to do with Thomas Whaley, but I thought his grandfather was super interesting. So his grandfather, Alexander Whaley, was part of the Boston Tea Party. Oh,
1: that is interesting.
0: Right? In fact, Alexander was one of George Washington's like guys. So if this was the movie Hamilton, he would have probably been in it. I don't know. You mean the play? I don't know why I said movie. I'm an uncultured swine. (laughs) it's okay (laughs) sorry but i was thinking like a movie like if they made a like actually this is the train of thought and then i veered like literally the train was down this track and i veered which happens a lot my thought was if they made a movie like the play hamilton but of george washington Mm -hmm. this dude would be one of them that's what i was trying to say but it just meh 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 you can't see what i did with my hands but it literally just like jumped some tracks You're good. I got you. And he actually fought with George Washington at the Battle of White Plains, and he provided flint muskets for the Revolutionary War. And when George Washington was stationed in Long Island, like when they were in that area, he actually stayed in Alexander's home. That was his headquarters.
1: Wow.
0: So his grandfather was like affluent politically. Mm -hmm. Anyway, (laughs) Thomas was seven of 10 children. In 1832, Thomas Alexander, so Thomas's father, would pass away, and because of this, it kind of opened up a different path because he wasn't necessarily the oldest, he wasn't coming in and taking over the responsibility, so it actually gave him an opportunity to become very well educated and even spend some time in Europe studying. So between 1832 and 1846, Thomas was going out through his education and in 1846, he actually returned home to New York City where he began working for his mother as like the property manager because they owned a lot of property. During this time, he made some business connections. So he would go to work for the Wandel family, which would lead to him actually being able to come to California. So on January 1st of 1849, Thomas would leave for San Francisco by way of ship. It was the Sutton. It would take him 204 days to make the journey from New York City around Cape Horn, which is the bottom of South America, up to San Francisco. Fun fact... When I was in high school, I was part of a docent program, and it was about the whole gold rush time. This would be that because he would be considered a forty nine er because mm-hmm. he came in forty nine. If you ever wonder where that came from that that expression, it's because. People came out early. I don't know. That's like fourth grade history. I can't remember that far back. (laughs) But anyway, flash forward to my high school experience. So there was this, there is, I should say, an adobe in the town I went to high school in. It was a historical site. And they had a docent program where high school students as part of our education, would go and teach fourth graders about life during the gold rush time in California. And it was weird because there was like one cabin, but like 15 people who pretend we were pretending to be adults. Like, that's the weird thing. I had a really tough maiden name. My name now is super easy. Stanton. Not so much for my maiden name. Um, <laughs> So because of that, they actually wouldn't... They would let the kids call me like Miss Jessica, but I actually went by Jesse in high school. And I spelled it with a Y because I was an idiot. I don't even... I don't know. (laughs) I think it's because there were so many fucking Jessicas born in 1986 that I was like, I have to be different. Anyway, so we had to be these characters from the 1800s and we had to draw like how we came to California and I drew I came by boat.
1: Oh wow.
0: And we had to keep a journal. Hmm. And it was super bougie and bought like <laughs> calligraphy pens and a leather bound journal. And I kept track. And let me tell you, it is a two it's about two hundred and four days and I had to write entries for each one of those goddamn days. Oh
1: my God. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And each entry had to be 40 words long. Oh, that
1: took a minute.
0: Yeah. So, and of course, it was me in high school and I waited till like the last day it was due. And so I skipped like four more classes and just sat in what in my history, like in my I was a TA. I sat in that classroom and just hand and just meh, like a hundred. Oh, it was great. But anyways, I super digress. Super rabbit hole, guys. Like It ties in.
1: It ties in.
0: <laughs> right. So, yeah, I totally get what this man... Well, I mean, not really because I was writing about it. And I will tell you, I was super pissed because my friends, Monique and Emily, came over Wagon Trail. And so there was this more interactive game of Organ Trail, not like the DOS system one, but like this actual like really incredibly like detailed game. And they just bought it and played the stupid fucking thing and they wrote their journals that way and i had to make shit up (laughs) i had to learn about nautical shit and like oh one i drew like because we could either write or draw so you know i drew some shit so like i drew like rope and i like did the knots and like explained the shit into it it was fantastic
1: Mm. and the
0: route you took Was the exact route this man took.
1: Yes, that's how this ties in.
0: Yeah, sorry. (laughs) Sorry, everyone. They were like, why did she just ramble for 20 minutes about high school?
1: (laughs) This is why I'm here. It's fine.
0: (laughs) Anyway, so he ends up in San Francisco and he starts working in a consignment minor equipment facility. So essentially, I think they either sold equipment for other people, kind of like a general store that was like a consignment store, or they loaned things out. So he did that, but unfortunately for him, and this would not be the last time this happened, in 1851, on October 4th, a fire would level his general store. Oh, fuck. This is what would bring Thomas to move to San Diego. While he was in San Diego, he had quite an adventurous time. In fact, after he moved, there was like this standoff between this guy named Antonio Guerrero, and he was this chief of the... San Luis tribe. And basically this guy, Antonio, was really pissed because suddenly California was like, well, we're just going to start charging everyone taxes on those cattle you have, even though for generations before, no tax for you. Now tax for you. They were super pissed.
1: Yeah, understandably.
0: So basically, all these guys went out to fight these people, and only 35 men stayed, and Thomas was one of them, and he ended up helping fighting off this. And because of the attack that Antonio would put onto the city of San Diego, he would be captured and then sentenced to death, and Thomas Bailey would participate as part of the 12-man firing squad. Wow. Two years later, Thomas would return to New York City, and that is when he met and would eventually marry Anna Eloise Delany. And she was actually born March 31st, 1832. The two would wed on August 14th, 1853. Later that year, they would move back to San Diego, and that approximate time would be about December 7th, 1853. They would live in San Diego for a couple more years until they would purchase the land that the Whaley House now stands on. The land is up for auction, but it had previously been the county and public gallows. Tara's going to tell you a lot more about some stuff, but I'm going to tell you a little bit. So Thomas was there before he went back to New York to marry Anna. He was there and actually in September 1852, he would witness the most famous hanging of a man by Yankee Jim Robinson. And Tara is going to tell you all about him a little later. Yes. But Thomas was definitely present at his hanging. And this would make it like later on when we talk about shit, you're going to be like, oh, that's really fucked up.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So construction would begin on May 6, 1856, and it would be completed on, and they would move in on August twenty second, 1857. It was a two-story Greek revival home, and this was predominantly found in Northern Europe and the United States. It was temple-like. It had columns and symmetrical shapes. It had, like, huge porch entries And basically, it was meant to feel kind of like a Greek temple where the gods were. So a lot of modern day structures would be pushed to the back. Something like stoves or chimneys, anything like that would be pushed to the back of the house so that when you came in, you just felt like you were in a Grecian temple. Fancy. Right? (laughs) It would cost over $10,000 to build in that time's money. And today that would be $288,316.20, or 80 cents, my bad. Hmm. This was at the time known as the finest home in Southern California. So they about to be bougie.
1: Ooh.
0: Mm -hmm. In fact... I think this house would have cost more money, but he did end up saving some money because Thomas owned a brickyard just a few blocks away, and they would make the bricks from that brickyard. Oh, okay. You know, he probably saved some on material. Mm -hmm. He furnished with mahogany and rosewood furniture, Brussels carpets, and damask drapes. At the time, his home would be considered a mansion. Hmm. And it was quite spacious because eventually it would also be a general store. And at another point in time, they would add a courthouse, like a courtroom, into it. Mm-hmm. And during the time the court was in there, they would pay to rent the space per month, and it was $65, which in today's money is about $1,874.09. That's expensive for a room. Yeah. Eventually, in October of 1868, the upstairs bedroom would be converted into the first commercial theater. It could fit a stage, benches, chairs, and could hold up to 150 people. Wow. That's a big-ass bedroom.
1: Yeah, what the fuck?
0: (laughs) Actor Thomas Tanner would actually die in the home 17 days after opening night. Aw. I think he had a heart attack. Let's talk about some happy things and some of us not so happy. Yes. Thomas and Anna Whaley would have six children. They'd have Francis Hinton, who was born on 1228, 1854. And he was actually named after his Thomas's previous business partner, which would make sense why his second child was named Thomas Jr. And he was born August 18th, 1856. Anna Amelia was born on June 27th, 1858. George Hay, and I love this name, George Hay Ringgold was born November 5th, 1860. Violet Eloise was born October 14th, 1862. And then Corinne Lillian would be born on September 4th, 1864, but she would later just be known as Lillian. Gotcha. Unfortunately, Thomas Jr. would pass away at a very, very young age. In fact, he passed away at 18 months old on January 29th, 1858, of Scarlet Fever. Yeah. Shortly after Thomas Jr. passed away, their general store would burn down and the family would return back to San Francisco. Now, I'm just going to say it. He's had two general stores burned down. Insurance fraud? I'm not saying it's him, but he was an insurance broker. Oh. I'm not saying it's him, but, like, it's awfully suspicious.
1: Right? I was joking, but, hmm. I mean, (laughs) right?
0: But they would return back uh, about 10 years later. Thomas would fix up the house, and they would move back in on December 12, 1868, During that 10 year period of time, the San Diego County would rent the home as offices and store records there. It was actually like good timing that the family was moving back because this was during this like chaotic time between 1860 and 1870 where San Diego County was like, we think the courthouse should be an old town. No, we think it should be in the new town. And they were just being little like, (laughs) I don't know. I feel like it was kind of like old money versus new money talking, if that makes sense. Yeah. Anyway, new town one. What are you going to do? So the family would remain there and then flash forward a few years later, the next eventful thing would happen in this family. On January 5th, 1882, Violet and her sister Anna would have a double wedding. Violet would marry George T. Bertolucci and Anna would marry her first cousin, John Whaley. Mm. I mean, Mm-mm. This would mean that it was like her dad's brother or sister or her mom's brother or sister's kid. Yeah. That's too close.
1: Uh any any is too close, but that's just right. The worst of the worst. <sighs>
0: yeah, no. It's um because there's like this whole thing where they're like if you're fourth cousins, I'm like, I'm, just, I'm not I'm, How about if, no
1: cousins?
0: If I have ever called you cousin, it's a no. No. There's so many people <laughs> in the fucking world. Right. But maybe not then. Still. Ugh. I don't know. I mean, they moved to Fresno.
1: I got nothing. But this other couple, we got some we got some tea on. And can I say something about him with him and his weird name that I already forgot? Yeah. I picture him with like a handlebar mustache or something sketchy. <laughs> Me too. Think like Dudley Do-Right, like the
0: villain in Dudley Do-Right is how I picture him. Yes, okay. And I don't mean to add anyone at Fresno. I just think that Fresno is hot enough as it is without air conditioners. Right. <laughs> But, like, if someone was like, you're going to move to Fresno, I'd be like, uh, excuse me? It's 1800s. They ain't no air conditioning. I ain't going nowhere. I'm going to stay in San Diego where it stays pretty regularly the same temperature all year long. Right. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but what Tara was saying is true. George, George is a bit of a douchebag. Let's say this. Dick face. He, in fact, married Violet for her dowry. Violet woke up two weeks after getting married while she was coming back from her honeymoon to find that George was gone, fled in the night, taking that girl's virtue and just bah, bitches, where's my dowry?
1: Boo, we hate him.
0: Right. So this is like the first injustice done to this woman. Like, okay, her husband left her. Where is her community rallying around her? No such luck for Violet Whaley. Because she was shunned by the upper society of old San Diego. Like, Fucking bitches.
1: Bitches. Bitches.
0: She basically got married all happy. And like, here's the thing. She made the right choice and didn't marry her first cousin. Right. Then she got scammed. And then she got scammed. <sighs> but it's like, here's the thing. So not only did she come home without a husband, but the big scandalous part of this, guys, is that she came home chaperoneless because now she a single lady. What a time. Yeah, I know. It's so bad that it's like, it's not that you're, not with your husband anymore. It's that <gasps> you are without a man or a chaperone. Oh. Thank God I was born when I was born. I would not have done well. Mm-mm. No, I not have done well. Violet and George would divorce, but it took about a year. And she was devastated, like super devastated. And over the next few years, she just like literally lived in sorrow. She tried to commit suicide a couple of times, but on August 18th, 1885, She would shoot herself in the chest with her father's 32 caliber handgun in their backyard out by their outhouse, which I want to take a moment and I want to look at the symbolism of this because this has like weighed on my heart. Like this girl, this woman thought so little of herself that she went out to where people took shits. And this isn't like how in like my apartment, my bathroom is considered one of the rooms. The outhouse would be far enough away from the house that it was you couldn't smell it, but close enough that like you could get to it quickly. So she went out where people shit because that's what she thought of herself because people were literally shitting on her. Right. So Thomas hears the gun. He rushes out. He carries her inside and is with her. And she died 15 minutes later in the parlor, which had to be super painful.
1: Right. That's a long time.
0: Right. Oof. I don't know about you, but I can't sit still for 15 minutes. I can't sit
1: still for five minutes. Right. I fidget the whole time we record.
0: <laughs> Tara has traveled with me on like small airplane settings where like <laughs> we're in the last row of a Southwest plane and I'm in the corner on the on the right side, the very right side, which is the smallest seat of the plane. And I'm like, I'm not fidgeting because I want to. I'm fidgeting because I can't stop.
1: Oh, that flight from New York to Denver. <laughs>
0: bitch, there were so many other seats. (laughs) Context, people. Tara and I were on a slightly full flight, but there were plenty of seats. In fact, there were a couple of seats a little farther up, but there's just like one person in the middle of the row. Like they could have asked that asshole to move over. No, she looks at Tara and I in the smallest row and goes, can I sit with you? (laughs) And because we're not horrible people, we let her sit with us.
1: And it felt like the flight was 10 hours long.
0: It was so long.
1: Not because of that lady. It just felt like the flight was just really long. (laughs) That
0: flight was just taking forever. I I kid you not, guys. Like, we were in the airplane and I was like, Tara, I swear to God, we've circled the earth twice. (laughs) Like, I kept pulling the window up and I was like, where's the mountains? Where are we? We have not moved. It's the same mountain. (laughs) Like, are we just stalled? Like, oh, my God, it was horrible. (sighs) We definitely got
1: alcohol when we landed.
0: (laughs) Yes. Oh, my God. But speaking of that, Tara, did you know that fucking Kevin James was in the airport the same time we were in the airport? No, but now I'm so mad. I love him so much. Yeah. Yeah. No, seriously. Like I heard someone yell something, something James. And I just thought it was another person being weird. But if I had listened, it was Kevin fucking James. Why didn't you listen? We could have met him. I'm sorry. I was being annoyed because I was hot and I couldn't I didn't have shorts. That's a you problem. You didn't do it. (laughs) You didn't back
1: up. God damn it.
0: (laughs) To also explain this little rant, when I get really (laughs) uncomfortable, my body temperature rises. It's my way of my body like processing like anxiety without having like an anxiety attack. And so I forgot to pack shorts to fly in. And so I was in jeans on the way back. So I was like, we walked around the Denver airport for like 20 minutes looking for fucking shorts. Even sweats. We couldn't even find them. Even sweatpants. Because I was like, I'll just roll them up really high, you know? Yeah. No, I can't you not. There was nothing. And then finally we talked to a lady and she's like, yeah, you have to leave this terminal and go to another terminal. They have more clothing stores. I was like, no,
1: no, no,
0: <laughs> because my luck, I'll get stuck in that terminal and my plane will take off.
1: Yeah, we can move on. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just try to forget this, and then I'm going to edit it, and then i be sad again. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> We're done. We're done talking about this.
0: Sorry, spooksters. So, Violet has committed suicide, and her family's grieving, and they find the suicide note, and it reads, Mad from life's history, swift to death's mystery, glad to be hurled anywhere, anywhere out of this world. And it comes from a passage of a poem by Thomas Wood called The Bridge of Sighs. It's like, that's so sad. It is. Well, if the family hasn't suffered enough, Thomas and Anna have lost two children at this point. One daughter has married their nephew and moved to Fresno to live in the hotness. Tragedy has not stopped. So at this time, Lillian was actually engaged to be married. But the scandal, here's the thing, it's not just the scandal that her like sister's husband left her. It is also that her sister now killed herself. The fiancé was like, I can't do this, and left her. Trash. Right. Total trash. Now we have, like, an upset Lillian, two deceased children, and Thomas is like, we got to get the fuck out of this house. So he built them a new house. It was a single story, and it was located at 933 State Street in downtown, like, the new downtown area of San Diego. And the Whaley house would actually sit vacant for 20 years. On December 14th, 1890, Thomas would pass away from an illness. He was 67 years old. The house would fall into disrepair. And then the oldest son, Francis Hilton Whaley, would come back in 1909 and begin the restoration process. And then once it was completed, he opened it back up for um, like touring, like tourists so they could come in and see. And then Anna Whaley, so like the mom... Lillian, and then George would all move into the Whaley house again and start living there in 1912. Anna would actually die a year later in the home. She was 80, and she died on September 24th, 1913. And unfortunately, two years later, Francis would pass away at the age of 60. And then about 14 years later, George Bailey would pass away at 68 years old. The oldest at the time of their death was Lillian. And there's two kind of stories that go with this. It's either that Lillian just was like I'm gonna fucking stay in my house this is where my family dies this is where I'm gonna die and she died in the home or that she lived up there until like hospice took over and then she moved to like assisted living but they're pretty like they tell you like when you go there because I watched a lot of tours they're like and Lillian died in the house but like there's this whole report where Lillian died in an assisted living home so who knows what's for tour and who knows what's for not. Anyway, so in 1960, because she died in 1953, in 1960, it opened as a museum and it was being managed by the San Diego Historical Shrine Foundation. And now it is owned by San Diego County. It is open six days a week, but oddly close on Wednesdays. Hmm. You can take a tour. It is $10 for the day tours and it is $13 for evening tours. You can take a private tour if you would like. Ooh. You have to have a minimum of two people and it is $75 per person for the first hour and then $50 per person for additional hours. The tour can you can take up to a three hour tour. And private tours are not offered the last week of October. When they're probably slammed. Right, because I think they do night tours then. Yeah, I'm sure they have events. They do have, like, guided night tours, but it's very seasonal. Mm-hmm. And it also has to do with, like, staffing. That makes sense. So that concludes my part. Before I hand it over to Tara, take a brief moment and listen to this episode's sponsor. This episode of Three Spooked Girls is brought to you by Best Fiends.
1: Best Fiends is a puzzle game that you play right on your phone. And it's really cool because you go through all these levels solving these challenging puzzles that actually engage your brain, which is what I need since we're stuck inside during all of this social distancing. But it's a casual game so anyone can play. My kiddo's even trying it out. And it's a lot of fun.
0: I just made it to level 32, and I only started playing a few days ago. The great thing about it is, is it doesn't take up much time, but it's great when I need a research break or I'm waiting on some groceries to be delivered.
1: Right? The content we cover is heavy at times, so it's nice to do a couple levels of this and then get back to researching. Plus, Matt and I have a friendly competition going on of who can get to level 50 first.
0: I love it. (laughs) It's great that the game is also visually stimulating with bright colors and cute characters. Best Fiends updates the game monthly with new levels and events, so it never gets old.
1: Engage your brain with fun puzzles and collect tons of cute characters. Trust me, with over 100 million downloads, this five-star rated mobile puzzle game is a must play. Download Best Fiends free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. Best Fiends. All right. Hope you guys liked our mid-roll ad that we had there, and you'll check that out. But I am going to kick us off here on our spooky portion on Whaley House. I did have a quick comment about the tours. I think that's pretty cool that for the private tour, you only need two people because I feel like at a lot of places, they're like, Five, 10, like huge groups. So that's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, like I think Lizzie Borden, it's like 10 maybe. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I can't remember since we did that so long ago, but I feel like most places like that, you do need that. But I can understand with Lizzie because isn't that one of those ones where you stay overnight too, though?
0: Yeah, it might not be that you need 10, but it might be 10 to do like a night tour,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, like a private night tour. And it obviously costs less than staying right the night. Ooh, I wonder if you can stay in the Whaley house. I mean, I, know. I know that like the BuzzFeed guys do, but like
1: <laughs> us normal, do normal people do it? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. All right. So Whaley house. As I kind of hinted at earlier, it's a very haunted house. It was actually named the number one haunted house in America by the Travel Channel. There's countless people who have visited there and had plenty of experiences, like Jessica just briefly mentioned. BuzzFeed Unsolved has done an investigation there. Ghost Ventures has been there as well, and tons and tons of other paranormal investigation teams. So, the ghosts. There's a good number of entities on the property that I'm going to run through. The first one I'm going to tell you about is possibly what kicked everything off, in my opinion. This person, his name was Yankee Jim. Jessica briefly mentioned him a little earlier. In 1852, James Yankee Robinson was charged with grand larceny. Some other sources say all it really was was that he tried to steal a boat and failed and got caught. So there's an asterisk for you.
0: But it was like. The only boat, like, it was the only rowboat in San Diego.
1: Yeah, so it was a big deal.
0: (laughs) He stole a boat, but it
1: was like, he stole the boat. Yes. (laughs) Because he was going to steal another boat. Right, exactly. And he, of course, was sentenced to be hanged. He ended up being hanged on the property where the Whaley House would eventually stand, like Jessica mentioned, on a gallow off the back of a wagon. The local newspaper reported that he, quote, kept his feet on the wagon as long as possible, but was finally pulled off. He swung back and forth like a pendulum until he was strangled to death, End quote. Like Jessica also mentioned, what was interesting to me was that Thomas Whaley was there, and this didn't affect him at all in his decision to buy the land. He just went right on with it right afterwards. And shortly after their house was built and they moved on in, the hauntings began. So the Whaleys themselves reported that they heard footsteps and that they sounded like they came from someone wearing heavy work boots. Thomas and Anna believed that it was the spirit of Yankee Jim and Anna thought the plot of land that they lived on was cursed. Which makes me think like, no shit. But did she know what happened on this land? I'm not too sure because this is a time period where men and women didn't communicate like so much because women weren't as, quote, important. So maybe she didn't know.
0: I mean, you would think that during the time because they moved to San Diego and they were building the house and she lived in San Diego and she was obviously part of like the upper socialite. You think the gossip. Yeah. someone, Some woman would have been like, oh. Can't believe your husband's building on the old gallows land. I don't know. For some reason, I'm thinking like Gone with the Wind and big fans and I don't
1: know. <laughs> no, no, no. I No, I agree because it's like, what else do they have to do? It's truth. It's also stated that the Whaley family never left the house even after their deaths. And asterisk because, you know, that last death is questionable, but we'll just go with the story that she died there. Well, even if she didn't
0: die there, she could still be connected to the house and still reside.
1: Correct. So the first one I'm going to talk about was Thomas Jr., a little refresher. He was that 18-month-old that passed away from scarlet fever. It's reported by many people that they hear an infant crying, which is just really creepy, but also really sad. Violet is seen quite often in the house. People report that they see an apparition of a young woman on the second floor. That's where her room was at. And she looks as if she has this profound sorrow. Considering the history with her husband and her suicide and all of that mess. This totally makes complete sense to connect that this entity would be her or for people to think it would be her. Right. Thomas and Anna are also still around a lot and have a lot of reports in regards to them as well. I'm going to start with Thomas. So this one kind of made me laugh and also be like, wow, rude ass. (laughs) People report that they will see Thomas on the upper landing and he likes to blow pipe tobacco smoke in people's faces. They say that he's wearing 1,900 time period clothing, which includes a frocked jacket and pantaloons. A little girl has also been noted to see him in the parlor, which is, fun fact, the most active area in the house. And she was waving at him. And the adults around her were super confused because they're like, what the fuck are you doing? You know, kind of (laughs) thing. That's my reaction. That's probably not most adults' reaction. She's like, hey, what's up? Hi. And, um... The adults were super confused at first. They were like, okay, well, you're waving at someone. What does he look like? You know, just trying not to freak her out in case they did believe in the supernatural as well. And when she did describe him, she gave the usual description of Thomas. So they're like, oh, fuck, it's him. Anna, on the other hand, her encounters are a bit more on the creepy side and freak me out a little bit. (laughs) So the first one was one night, a 911 call came in reporting that there was a woman crying outside of the Whaley house. So the responding officer went to see what was going on with this lady and all of that. And he said later that he did, in fact, see, quote, a woman at the back of the house crying and also noted she was wearing 1900s period clothing. He also said that he called out, you know, to ask if she was all right. And when she turned around to face him, she just smiled. No, thank you. (laughs) He says then he pointed his flashlight at her to get a better look to see her or whatnot, and she vanished. She was gone. And also, the other sketchy thing about this, this police officer did not mention this story until he was writing his final brief report for his retirement. Damn. So this creeped him the fuck out, too, obviously, and he didn't want to talk about it. (laughs) Wasn't it like 30 years Yeah, he was a career cop. So it was like 30, 35 years. It was a long time, decades.
0: <laughs> when I first heard that story, like, because I read it, he was like, I'm fucking done. There's ghosts. I'm out. And then it was like, <laughs> this was after 30 years. I was like, motherfucker.
1: Right. You just sat on that. Right. Repressed it, something. I don't fucking know. Shit. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Other areas that Anna is seen in frequently is the garden or one of the downstairs rooms. She is described as being dressed in a green gingham dress. Her favorite room is the parlor, and she's seen there drinking tea. Another notable encounter with Anna does involve uh, a tour guide. So this tour guide had been closing up and locking everything up for the night. As he was entering the code for the security camera, he heard a woman's voice say, quote, why are you here? And of course, as warranted, this scared the shit out of him. So much so, he didn't finish putting the lockdown code and ran the fuck out and just got gone. So fight or flight, he got the fuck out. He's like, nope, bye, peace. And since, you know, the code wasn't finished or anything, it set the alarm off and then that dispatched the San Diego PD. The responding police officer saw a woman in a green dress in the parlor, a.k.a. Anna. So he called for backup to deal with it because they thought someone had broken in and, you know, obviously didn't want to deal with it by himself. By the time they arrived, she was gone. And I also mentioned BuzzFeed Unsolved investigating here, and when they were in the parlor, Ryan felt blowing in his ear, and they actually picked up whispers on their recording devices. So he obviously flipped the fuck out and thought people were, you know, everybody else was playing a trick on him and shit. He was super convinced, and they're just like, no, we're nowhere near you, bitch. Like, (laughs) I don't know what the fuck's going on, but it's not us. And he was just like, per typical fashion, he always kind of flips out, but... This is one of the few episodes where he's, like, terrified. Besides the parlor, the next most active area in the house is the courtroom. It's believed by paranormal investigators that the back corner of the jury box is a spiritual vortex because it has an insane amount of activity. Psychics who have also visited this house agree as well. There's been reports of a woman apparition sitting in this specific area, and I grabbed a quote from the Whaley House website from where a visitor saw her. They said, quote, I see a small figure of a woman who has a swarthy complexion. She is wearing a long, full skirt reaching the floor. The skirt appears to be calico or gingham, small print. She has a kind of cap on her head, dark hair and eyes, and she is wearing gold hoops in her pierced ears. She seems to stay in this room, lives here, I gather, end quote. Ryan also has another weird experience while sitting there, too. So Shane had joked for an entity to send a shiver down Ryan's spine to be like, let us know if you're here kind of thing. Then, of course, right away, nothing happened. So Shane's sitting there across from Ryan because there's like the jury chairs and then an extra chair for him. All of a sudden, Shane's flashlight goes out, even though batteries were new, everything was good, all of that. So he's like, eh, what the fuck? And Ryan's like, um, please tell me those batteries are shit. (laughs) He's just like, um, no. Shortly after the flashlight goes out, Ryan says he hears a creaking in the chair next to him as if someone's starting to sit down in it because they're old wooden chairs. And then he says he starts to feel really weird and he just looks sick and just looks weird. I don't know another adjective to describe it. Sorry. And he's just really uneasy looking. Shane's like, what do you mean you're feeling weird? Like you're fucking with me kind of thing, you know, being like, come on, you're no. And then Ryan says he's starting to feel extremely dizzy. He's not feeling well. He's like, no, like something's happening to me right now and I don't like it. (laughs) And again, like I said, this is one of the few episodes where it's just something's not right. Because most of the time they're freaking out. They're just being rambunctious and dramatic and stuff. But this is just like he actually looks scared, like legitimately doesn't have control of the situation, kind of scared. So I don't know. It was just crazy to me. He also said that he does feel the shiver, a shiver go up his back. And that was just kind of like the end, like get the fuck out. And uh, yeah, I agree with him. I'd be getting the fuck out, too. I'd be like, done. On top of all of that, there are reports of other entities that they haven't been able to ID. Most people think that these are spirits of the people that Lillian had rented the home out to back in the early 1900s and that the woman in the courtroom is also believed to be one of those individuals as well, since, of course, she doesn't match the description to any of the Whaley's or anybody that they can specifically pick out. There's also reports of music playing, when there definitely shouldn't be, in the theater room and also an unknown entity of a little girl in the dining room. Psychic Sybil Leek encountered this spirit during a visit in the 1960s. She described her as a long-haired girl and said she was very quick in a longish dress. And she went to the table in the parlor and she went to the chair. There was an urban legend that this had been a playmate of the Whaley children who accidentally broke her neck on a low-hanging clothesline in the backyard. And her name was Annabelle or Carrie Washburn. But there is no historical records to prove that a child died on the residence or that any family name Washburn or anything like that resided in San Diego at this time. So most people think that that was just made up by an employee just to kind of add to a tour. So most people, once they figured that out, it probably goes back to, you know, the people who boarded at the house rather than anything super, super spooky or anything like that. And then lastly, kind of end us on a little light, quick note, probably the most favorite ghost that people report seeing, and I thought, oh, was that there are also ghosts of the Whaley's cat and dog, Dolly Varden, who's a spotted fox terrier running around the property. It's so adorable. Right? <laughs> I love it so much. <laughs> but, yeah, I can definitely see how this would be the number one most haunted house in America. So, Travel Channel, I uh, can see how you got it right. Mm-hmm. It was a long time since I have visited and I don't think i felt anything or whatnot but then again like i said it was easily 10 11 years ago so i don't really quite remember the tour too much but i would love to go back since it's so interesting and there's all kinds of other cool stuff you can do in that area
0: yeah it's san diego it's amazing
1: yeah love san diego love it love it love it but if you're local or close and once, you know, things are kind of back to normal, would definitely say go check it out. Go do the tour, at least, and go eat at the restaurant and get some drinks across the street. Mm-hmm. 10 out of 10 recommend. <laughs> Very delicious. Yes. But that is going to wrap us up here for today. We hope you guys enjoyed our episode here on the Whaley House. We hope you are staying well. And if you are listening to this on the Monday, the 13th, come hang out with us tomorrow for our live stream. And we will see you on Thursday for a stabby snippet. Bye, guys. Bye.